0: If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and Sonia Stradman has been nominated as a game changer, and we're so excited that Sonia could join us today to talk about all the amazing work she is doing with Greyhounds. So, Sonia, welcome and congratulations, thank and thank you so much for joining
1: me. Thank you so much. You are, I'm a huge, huge fan. Uh, I actually started raw feeding my dogs nine years ago because of uh, watching all your videos and I'm a a huge fan of yours. So thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you for the support. And I am so excited for our listeners and readers who maybe don't know who you are and what you're doing. If you would kind of back us up and walk us down a little bit of memory lane as to how you started doing what you're doing. Okay, yeah. Uh, back in 2003,
1: uh, my family and I adopted a Greyhound. His name was Leroy. Uh, we actually adopted him from a trainer at the track here in Palm Beach. He, uh, he was so special. We had other breed dogs and he was just so very special. I fell in love with him and the trainers actually started inviting us down. I take my kids were real little and we take them down and, and uh, help out. And there, I saw a lot of dogs that the trainers were told to euthanize because they were no longer, a, you know, they either a lot of broken legs. I saw a lot of broken legs. The dogs just left in their crates. The owners didn't want to pay for them any longer. So um, that's how I started. We started mm-hmm. taking the dogs that either other rescues wouldn't take. Um, uh, so many. Uh, we started out Gosh. really with
0: broken legs. Wow. And, um it's an emotional topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, just greyhound racing in general is, emo- so there's there's the rescue component of what you're doing, but it's also linked to, to uh, a sport that involves animals. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion just with the topic of greyhound racing in general. Um, as you started uh, rescuing and placing dogs, um, have, did you, did, have you come up against kind of the, I don't want to use the word politics, but I think it is the politics of greyhounds. Has that been a part or introduced to your line of rescue or have you been able to kind of avoid some of that? Actually, that's a great question. Through
1: all of our years with the rescue, we took in over 2,500 greyhounds into our uh, into our backyard and it was definitely you don't say anything or you can't help the dogs, um, and and this is not an exaggeration, they would rather put the dogs to sleep than have somebody help them that's going to tell the truth out in public. So we always were told, be quiet. Um, We just, my family, my volunteers, we just were very, very quiet, stayed out of the politics solely to help the dogs. Um, We knew there was no way the state was subsidizing everything. It was more of a gambling issue, racing in Florida. wasn't going to end because of all the politics for gambling. Um, And that's when I finally in 2017, uh, Senator Lee proposed amendment. What was a different amendment 13 came Mm -hmm. Um, and we were really excited. I thought long and hard. I knew that I wouldn't be able to, I knew that the trainers would stop sending dogs to me. I wouldn't be able to help in the same way any longer, Um, but it was really important. My family, and I talked about it and That's when we started telling our story, everything we'd seen over the years, all the different cases. Um, Right before we actually decided, we had in 10 days, we were called with three different greyhounds who had broken their leg at our local track, all three of them taken in to be euthanized. Um, Mm -hmm. We took all three of those dogs in, fixed their legs. One lives with us still. uh, Bart, Mm. he was actually the spokes dog for Amendment 13 um he's laying over here on the dog bed but after it was just we were very happy to finally be able to speak out um we since then no more dogs we haven't been able to help any that way but luckily you know racing is ending we won and the dogs won and there's so many rescues throughout the country that are taking the dogs um so we feel we did the right thing yeah,
0: ab- absolutely, and I commend you. That is, it's a that's a very difficult. It's a brave thing you did, and it's a difficult thing you that you did. And I admire you for just doing moving forward anyway. Thank so you. right now, Sonia, talk a little bit about from two thousand seventeen till now. Talk a little bit about um, how how what you're doing in terms of your evolution of your working with this incredible breed. Yeah, it actually took us through the campaign. um,
1: I actually became aware of greyhounds in China, the racing greyhounds in China going when they're finished with their racing career there, they go to the slaughterhouses Mm -hmm. um, over breeding. You know, there's so many greyhounds in, um, in the slaughterhouses in China. Uh, That's where, that's what we're doing right now.
0: Wow! Wow. Um, talk to me a little bit about legislation in in North America. How many <laughs> guesstimate? Like how many are, are, are tracks still up and going? How many other states have tracks that are still racing? Dogs.
1: Luckily, we there's I believe three tracks that are still racing here in Florida. Everybody else, slowly, you know, it was great. It was a two year. Uh, Two years for everybody to the tracks to slowly die down. Uh, three tracks left. Like I said, those dogs. It's it's just all slowing down so well. yeah. nicely here. The dogs are getting into rescues and getting into homes. Yeah, there are two other tracks, um, Iowa and mm-hmm. Arkansas, I believe. And you can go to the Grade Two K USA website to find out more about this. But I believe they will be finished the end of two thousand twenty-one. The rest of the tracks in Florida will be finished December of this year, December thirty first. We're very excited for that; just a few months away. Um, yeah. And then there'll be West Virginia left. Texas has ended, um, mm-hmm. so just West Virginia, two tracks
0: there. And for people, uh, when when I have so when I have posted or, or written about this topic, great Scott, I thought that over-vaccination or, I mean, fresh food was a tough topic. Let me tell you that the, the yeah. trolls come out when you talk about, yeah. about, I guess part of it is that I use the term exploitation for a dog that wants to run. And, and what the feedback was, is these dogs were bred to do this. They love to do this. If you take this away from them, you're a 90 veterinarian. How dare you? Um, how dare you take this approach without ever being a track vet and the truth is I've, I've never been a track vet and so I, I i can't say that i have had experiences being on a track behind the scenes but but you have, I have <laughs> you have yes. and 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 from your own personal experience when you hear or when you see people say oh my gosh they were bred to do this and they love it and you're you're not allowing them to express their natural behaviors goodness what is you just just in terms of the educational component for people listening to this interview or reading the article and maybe they don't have a background and they think well greyhounds like to run and they're running so like right. what's the problem could you just do a little bit of education about what 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 their life is like okay
1: again very great question uh, I know many track vets uh, people that vets who have uh, been on the track and the same so many dogs break their legs because of everything with the state they didn't want them i've had so many dogs that have been sent to me uh with their legs they should have been euthanized broken backs you know things that are just really horrific and we ended up having to euthanize through our vets you know recommendations because they were injured so badly and nobody wanted it recorded at the track so that's the life of a track vet dealing with that Um, for me, everything I see the, you have eight dogs. So any trainer one will tell you, know, just training dogs reward is a huge, obviously a huge thing. So um, a dog behaves, you know, does something good and that dog gets a reward. With racing, you have eight dogs running as fast as they can, 45 miles an hour, chasing something that they're never gonna be able to catch. Yeah. It's a lot of anxiety people say the dogs go to the track and they love, you know, they get excited. Anybody that knows animals will see that it's anxiousness.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, they're,
1: they're never, they're never given that reward. Yeah. Also you have the speed of it, 45 miles an hour and they hit that first turn and that's where we see most of the injuries. They hit the first turn and they all, you know, come in together and that's when they run into each other. They slide. It's that's so many broken legs that way. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just very frustrating for the animals. We've raised greyhounds, accidental litters through the tracks uh, as puppies and here on our farm and it's, they're so different. Yeah. They're greyhounds but they're, they don't <laughs> get injured. They run and play and they, it's funny when we get the dogs off the track, they know how to run straight. They don't, yeah. and anyone that, that has adopted, they don't know how to maneuver, like through our backyard, different, um, one of our first greyhounds ran straight into a picnic table and we couldn't oh, believe it because we, yeah. we had other sure. dogs our whole lives, but you have one from a puppy and they just maneuver differently. Um, mm-hmm. they're not, it's, it, it's just very different. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they're, it's just lack of, I don't, I don't even know how to explain, just very, um. Frustrated, yeah. very anxious
0: yeah. and frustrated. Yeah, and I guess for me as a veterinarian, it's, um, I, I've selected to write about this topic because I'm of the viewpoint that when we have a, a utilitarian viewpoint towards animals where you know they serve a purpose and they're bred for a purpose, um, if we don't factor in what their quality of life is while they're serving that purpose, we haven't done our jobs as veterinarians. And that's the piece where uh, I think that there could be quite a disconnect from people that love animals and support um, greyhound racing. I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that there's the connection of what that dog's quality of life is when all he was born and bred to do is one thing. And so mm-hmm. that's, you know, the, the whole how much is he enjoying his life uh, off the track Uh, you know it, it it certainly begs the question when when you have a when you how do you go about finding homes because these 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 dogs are different than rescuing a chihuahua
1: they we were we've been very careful we've been very lucky um with all our volunteers our dogs are when we we have five acres here so when we get the dogs in um, we have we have chihuahuas we have chickens we have horses you know my children were raised with them so that they were always while we were doing the rescue always around children so we really got to know each dog they learned they decompress when they first come to us they and this is another interesting uh point that i tell people when they first come to our yard straight off the track uh supposed to be the fittest dogs you know around they actually can get body sore from just running around our yard because when they're allowed to just freely run around they they actually aren't as fit as the dogs that we personally have um we have to be careful and not let them run as much as our other dogs and let them kind of slowly go into it so i I always think that's interesting too Mm -hmm. uh just because they have all the muscles they're really not um not as evenly, I guess, conditioned as our yep. pets. Yeah. Um, but we just, they come and they muzzled. They don't know how to share toys. They don't know what yeah. toys are. They they just really don't know anything except their crate. Uh, when we first, we have a kennel and we have the the same racing crates just to help them acclimate. Mm-hmm. And then our, the, our house is about a hundred feet away and we'll bring them into our house and you know, see how they are with the cats so that we know better uh, to place them in the homes. And they'll be so afraid of a home life. You know, yeah. They'll be so afraid of the house and just all the different things going on in the house. And they'll actually want to go back initially to the kennel. Like when we let them out, they'll run back over to the kennel because they stay, feel safe in their little you know, sure. sheltered sure. area. Sure. And that's all they've known is that cage. Um, once you've had them in the house for a week or so, you can't get them back to the kennel. (laughs) They don't want anything to do with the kennel. They never want to go back to the cage. Um, we just really have tried to get to know each dog, work with them. You can teach them, you know, we get the muzzles off. We teach them to get along with everybody and that they have toys that they don't, you know, they don't have to hoard everything that they, you know, more, more is going to be there they're just really great dogs. The more you do with them, the more you treat them like a dog the I think the better life they're going to have. A lot of people think they just need to go and sit in the house and not do anything because they're scared. I think the more you take them out and, Mm -hmm. and socialize them, the the happier life they're going to have. And they're just uh, really, really intelligent. Yeah. Really wonderful dogs
0: it's fantastic that you have the physical facility to be able to, as the emotional and physical recovery take place at, you literally watch them kind of blossom. You watch them mm-hmm. see things for the first time. And all of a sudden a loving home life isn't overwhelming. And you see them literally, you can start to see their personalities developed. And it's what's so great about You being able to do that is that you are certainly in a position to then place them with a potential owner because you know them and you're able to see what personality comes out and what they like and what they don't like and if they're kitty friendly if they're not kitty friendly so that's a really great gift you having that time helping them. Uh, be introduced into a home mm-hmm. and uh, and love and human society and and really they get to start their life over when they come to your house, but right. there's this massive adaptation evolution that has to occur. What's great is that you're well equipped then to to play matchmaker with their forever home because you because right. you know how they're going to respond, and that's a really nice gift from animals that have already been. I don't want to use the word traumatized, but they've already had a. Uh, they they've had enough obstacles in the first half of their life, mm-hmm. the gift that you're giving them being well paired with their forever home is really wonderful. It's great. I can only imagine Sonia that there's all sorts of things that you love about your day-to-day rescue work. But when you wake up in the morning, what's the thing that, uh, that gets you out of bed?
1: Uh, usually it's pictures, pictures that people send. I'm really lucky mm-hmm. our adopters send pictures. I have pictures daily showing uh the dogs in their homes oh. and it's just it's really that yeah. every day um if I didn't have that I'd probably <laughs> probably would be a little bit harder but just seeing the dogs in their homes and how loved they are by their families mm. and just um being able through my adopters to see them blossom yeah. and and really become yeah. what they what they should have been all along so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. seeing how them. beautiful
0: yeah Yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm so thankful because I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that you, you know, you end up being kind of the the perpetual greyhound grandma in one way Mm. in that you get to see them flourish in their own new lives with their own forever homes. And yet you are connected to them forever, which is beautiful. So if you, Sonia, if you could, if you could tell the world one thing, or if you could uh, impart one word of wisdom or a thought about what you do, what would it be? Oh, that's
1: hard. Um, the greyhounds—they're just—they're the sweetest to to, uh, to fight, even when people are going after you, and to, yeah. to do the right thing for the dogs, to always yeah. be their advocate, uh, no matter how, how hard it is. Or becomes or people, you know, like it's through the election. It it was awful for my family, but we kept going, and so many dogs are going to benefit for us advocating for them. So, um, not yeah, not to stop advocating for your dogs.
0: Yeah, and I admire you. I thank you for, um, putting yourself out there. I know that it is it isn't easy, and uh, it's, yeah, there's it's a definite uphill battle, but because of your hard work and the community that you've established in the support and education that you're doing, animals are going to have better lives uh, um, in the future because of you. So bravo and congratulations, Sonia. If people wanted to learn more about the work that you're doing, where would they go to find more information?
1: Uh, our website, EliteGreyhounds.org. Uh, we have a Facebook page, also Elite Greyhound South Florida. Uh, there's a lot of we're getting more and more. Our website is being redone right now, but we're getting more and more uh, information on that.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, you, of course, are well deserving of your game changer you. nomination. You have changed the game for greyhounds in your state, and you are the awareness that you're bringing about worldwide when it comes to animal dog exploitation is is profound. Thank you from the bottom Thank of my you. heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.